Hi, everybody, and welcome to Are You Ready? Believe it or not, week eight in online-only Sunday morning services. So we've already been two months at this, and it's very, very hard to believe, but it's true. And um, we're just we're playing it by ear, and I want you to know that uh, we're going to keep you informed. And uh, as soon as we hear the next announcement <clears throat> from the governor on May 18th, we will have even more clarity. But until then... We're going to be online only for sure in the next few weeks. But again, I want to thank you for, hey, there's thousands of you that have been watching. And uh, I so appreciate your faithfulness, not only to watch and stay with us and remain as a part of the church family, but for your very faithful giving, which has touched us, touched me deeply. I I know many of you are struggling and going through some very difficult moments, and, and a lot of you have gone through this alone. You live alone. You haven't had anybody to be there with you to walk through this. And so that's why I say, isn't it good to know the Holy Ghost doesn't do social distancing. And it's so good to to know that he's there with us, even when others can't be. But today I want to talk to you about something that I believe is going to help you. And I'm just calling this the Lord of the Storm. And I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 35. Go ahead and grab your Bible um, and open to Mark's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and we're going to read one of my favorite stories in the Word of God. This is a very dramatic story of how Jesus and the disciples are going across the sea uh, to the other side, where they're going to encounter the terribly demon-possessed man of Gadara, otherwise known as the Gadarene demoniac. Uh, and so they're headed over to um, across the sea to encounter this poor, tormented man. And on their way, they experience a storm. And so let's, let's read about it. It says in verse 35, Mark chapter 4, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Always a good idea. Take Jesus with you. Just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And look what happened in verse 37. They're going across the sea and a furious squall, otherwise known as a storm or a tempest, came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up. I can sort of imagine him yawning. And he gets up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. You know, Satan stirs things up, brings discord and trouble, but Jesus brings peace and calm. It says in verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other the million dollar question. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now here we have an account of Jesus commanding his disciples to get into a boat and go over the other side of the sea to the land of Gadara. And this is early on in Jesus' ministry. We're only in Mark chapter 4. And uh, the 12 disciples 
have not been following him for very long, but they've seen a lot already. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him cast out devils. They've seen him heal a man with a withered hand. They have seen him uh, uh, command a paralyzed man to get up off of his cot or stretcher and walk. And they've seen him do amazing miracles already. I mean, they are experiencing something they never dreamed they would. And not only that, but they've had the opportunity to listen to Jesus' unparalleled teaching. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, they've already, they've already heard it at this point. Luke's gospel lets us know that, and Matthew's gospel as well, that, that Jesus has taught the Sermon on the Mount by the time they experience this storm at sea. So the disciples know that nobody teaches like this man. And as far as they're concerned, they're following a wonder-working man of miracles that seems to have the world by the tail. And uh, every day is exciting. There's never a dull moment in following Jesus. And they just can't believe what they're experiencing, what they're witnessing each and every day. And how could it get any better until, that is, they got into the boat and crossed over to the other side and experienced a hurricane on the way, because that's what squall or uh, the, the Greek word that we translate into storm actually meant. It meant a hurricane force wind. This was not a strong breeze. This was not something that was kind of a drag on them trying to row. This was a major mega storm, a hurricane. And uh, so the first thing I want you to notice from this story that I think really applies to us today is that storms happen even when Jesus is in the boat. That's one thing I learned from this story, and I've always marked it in my spirit, in my mind, that storms happen even when Jesus is in the boat. Because here they are, they're obeying Jesus. They're in the boat because Jesus told them to get into the boat. And they're going across the sea at his command. And the Living Bible says that here they are going across and suddenly a great windstorm, a hurricane force wind struck from nowhere. The Living Bible says high waves, high waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water and it was beginning to sink. This was a 911 emergency. They were in a major life-threatening storm, came out of nowhere. How could this be happening? All we did was obey Jesus, and he's with us in the boat after all. So what is this about, that this is happening even with Jesus in the boat? Nobody expected this storm. They didn't have a Channel 5 weather forecast to tell them it was coming. They didn't have iPhones with a weather app. Uh, None of them was a meteorologist. They had no forewarning. No way of knowing. When they first got into the boat, it was clear blue skies. But suddenly, halfway across the sea came this terrible storm. And isn't that how storms happen in real life? Storms happen this way to you and to me. We're just going about our everyday business, doing life, paying the bills, raising the kids, setting aside our 401k for the time that we can retire, going to work, coming home, just doing life as usual. And suddenly, just like the disciples, we experience a storm that comes out of nowhere, like this COVID-19 storm. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody knew it was on the way. Suddenly, in one night, the whole nation was shut down. 
just like this hurricane storm they encountered at sea. We have encountered the same kind of out of nowhere hurricane-like storm that has brought a great nation to its knees in one night and changed our lives, all of our lives. Right now I'm sitting here speaking to a completely empty sanctuary. I'm just talking to a camera, but I know I'm talking to you and I do see you out there in my mind's eye. But all of this happened just like that, a storm from nowhere. And that's the way it happens in life. We're doing great just going along and suddenly we get a bad report from the doctor or our kids, we find out, are into something really bad and it gut punches us. Or we find a pink slip waiting on our desk and we can't believe we've lost our job. Or we come home to find a spouse has walked out and left us and we don't know what we're going to do. Suddenly a storm comes and that threatening wind begins to blow and the rain of adversity falls and the waves of trouble threaten to sink us and drown us. And again, I want you to keep in mind that They were obeying Jesus. These men had lost everything and given up everything, walked away from everything to follow Jesus. And now following Jesus, they're in the middle of a storm that is threatening their whole life. They wouldn't have been in this storm if Jesus had not told them to get into the boat. And so you, you look at that and you go, well, what is that about? Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus lead them into it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you straight up that I believe Jesus purposely took them to faith school. When they got into that boat, it was because he told them to. Now they didn't know what was coming, but I assure you, Jesus knew what was coming because Jesus knew the storm was on the way. He wasn't surprised by anything. You know, God is never surprised and Jesus was God and God is never surprised by anything. The storm at sea was Jesus' classroom to teach his men something he really wanted them to know. Now, I know that's hard for some of you to hear because you think, well, Jesus wouldn't do that. But I would tell you from the word of God, Jesus will certainly do that. God is sovereign over our lives. He knows what's coming before it arrives. And God does not put us in some kind of a Christian bubble and, and, and keep us from the troubles of life. No, God will allow our faith muscles to get exercised, to be worked, to become stronger, to be challenged. That's what God does. He doesn't put us in some, some safety, some safe zone where nothing can reach us. That's not what God does. And I want you to know that Jesus knew this storm was coming or he's not God in flesh. If he didn't know that it was coming, then he's not God. And Jesus was God. And that's what I want to show you from the word of God today. Jesus knew the end from the beginning. He knew this storm would come because Jesus was God the Son. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three different beings in one. And Jesus being God knew what was coming. And I want us to catch a part of Jesus, an aspect of Jesus that I think a lot of Christians don't ever stop to think about, that he's not just a nice savior that walked around in the first century teaching great things and had a lot of people that loved him and 
died on the cross for us and, and, uh, paid the price for our sin and rose from the dead. Uh, you know, we, we, a lot of people look back on Jesus and they even go so far as to say, well, he was just one of several great religious leaders that, that speckle history. And, uh, he was one of many, but no, Jesus was not one of many. Jesus was the one and only begotten son of the living God. And Jesus was literally God wrapped in skin. When, when Jesus told the disciples to get into that boat and go across the sea, God had said to those disciples, get in the boat and let's go across the sea to the other side. In Isaiah, God clearly tells us something very important about himself. It says in Isaiah 46, verse 9, turn there with me, Isaiah 46, verse 9, and let's look at what the Bible says about God. God says through the prophet, first person, remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. There is no one like the God of the Bible. There is no one like Almighty God who sent his son to die for us. There's only one God. There's not many. There's one. There's a lot of imposters. There's a lot of phonies. But there's only one God, one real God. And in Isaiah 46, 9, God is telling us, I am God, and there's not another God like me. And he says, you want to know how I'm God? I'll show you how I'm God. The first thing God says, declaring the end from the beginning. I am God, and the way you can know that I'm God is I declare the end of something before the beginning even begins. I am God, and because I'm God, I don't dwell in time. I dwell outside of time. You see, folks, all of us, we're used to something beginning and ending, living and dying. Uh, Everything in our world has a shelf life, but not God. God is outside of time. God created time and God looks down on the earth and God sees the beginning of a thing, the middle of a thing and the end of a thing all at once. He sees it all at once. See, where when you arrive to next week, God's already there waiting for you. He knows the end before the beginning starts. So he says, only I, only God, only a real God, and I'm the real God, can declare something, the end of something, what it's going to look like when it's finished, how it's going to end, when it's going to end, where it's going to end. Only I can do that before it even begins. So I declare the end from the beginning. But then he also says, and I declare from ancient times things that have not been done. I declare from ancient times things that haven't even happened yet. And this is what we call Bible prophecy. You see, folks, only God, listen carefully to me, only God, no one else, nothing else, only God, can, can way back in Bible times predict something that's happening in our time. God says, I declare something's going to happen centuries from the time I declare it. And I will tell you exactly how it's going to happen, the way it's going to go down, how it's going to end. I mean, God has already told us how the world's going to end. The the world has an end. The universe has an end. And the book of Revelation 
And in the prophets, we see how it's going to end, that one day it's going to be rolled up like a scroll, that the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, Peter said. Book of Revelation tells us the end of the world. Isn't it interesting? The Bible tells us how the world began in Genesis, and it tells it how it's going to end in Revelation. Only God can do that. The Bible tells us how the world started in Genesis, and the book of Revelation tells us how it's going to end, exactly how it's going to end, and what it's going to look like for eternity after that. Only God can do that. Then he finishes in Isaiah. He says, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. History is my story. I'm behind history. I'm weaving the tapestry of my purpose all throughout history. History is his story. God. Almighty God predicts the way something will end before it starts. He predicts things from ancient times that are going to happen sometimes a millennia or more later. And he says, only God can do that. I'm the only God that can do that. I am God and no one else, and I do that. And I think Bible prophecy is one of the great confirmations and affirmations that the the Bible is the word of God because of the prophecies that have all come to pass. So many of them stunningly, amazingly have come to pass precisely like God said. The prophecies about Jesus, the prophecies about our world, exact, I mean, just definite to the T, prophetic utterances centuries before it all happened. Only God can do that. And now Jesus being God incarnate revealed this ability over and over again in his earthly ministry, not just long range prophecies like we find in Matthew 24 and 25, but short range. Let me give you an example. Jesus told Simon Peter, Jesus had been announcing how they were going to take him, uh, beat him, crucify him on the cross, abuse him. And Peter had taken him aside. Lord, I'll, I'll never forsake you. Jesus had looked at his disciples that had followed him for three years and said, all of you are going to walk away. All of you are going to run. All of you are going to forsake me. But Peter being Peter said, not me, Lord, I'll never do it. But Jesus looked at Peter and he prophesied. Listen carefully. He prophesied. He said, Peter, let me tell you how it's going to go down. I tell you the truth. This very night, now there's the first prophecy. He predicted what was going to happen that night before that night was there. Then the second prophecy, before the rooster crows. How did Jesus know there was going to be a rooster anywhere around when Peter denied the Lord? But Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will deny three times that you even know me. Now, there's three prophecies, three short-term prophecies in one verse. Peter, tonight, this night, first prophecy. You're going to deny me three times, second prophecy. Third prophecy, and, and when you're done with your third denial, a rooster is going to crow. A rooster's going to crow. Do you know how hard it would be to predict even that? You can't predict that. How could you possibly know what's going to happen that night that a rooster is going to be anywhere around the denial and that Peter would not deny him once, not twice, but thrice? 
How would you know that? Unless you're God. God knew that. Because God is in the future waiting for us to get there. Now, as the Bible account lets us know, Peter follows Jesus from a distance. And while he's following from a distance, Jesus is taken through kangaroo court. And while Peter is hanging around in the courtyard, three different times, three different sets of people, it was not one person, but it was three different sets of people. The Bible says the first person to look at him and say, hey, didn't you know Jesus? Weren't you hanging with Jesus? It was a damsel, a young girl. And Peter denied the first time, no, I never knew him. Then he goes and he, he, he warms himself by the fire. And while he's warming himself at the fire, plurality, they, a plural group, several people look at Peter and say, hey, weren't you with him? And Peter a second time says, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this guy. No, not me. You got the wrong guy. And then a third time, the servant of the high priest said to him, wait a minute, weren't you with him? Now, folks, I want you to stop and think a minute. How would Jesus know that three different sets of people that night would approach Simon Peter and say, you knew him. No, I didn't know him. You knew him. No, I didn't know him. And then finally, I think you know him. No, I did not know him. And the Bible says, oh, it's, it's, it's so hard to read. But at following the third time, Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. How did Jesus know that? There's only one way. He's God. He's God. Our Savior was God. And the rooster crowed. And here's the hard part. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that look? I don't think Peter ever forgot that look. I think that look was burned into his memory to the day that he died upside down on a cross as a martyr for Jesus Christ. I don't think he ever forgot that look. You talk about the look, that was the look. And the Bible says, Peter, remember the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Jesus, being God, knew the end from the beginning. He could step into the future and see it played out before it ever happened. So my question, well, not really a question, my, my full belief is this. Jesus, no doubt about it, knew that storm was coming when he told the disciples, get into the boat, let's cross over. So we got to ask, why would the Lord allow that? And some of you are asking right now, why has the Lord allowed some things into my life? Aren't you asking that? I've asked that many times. Surely, They were wondering that when the storm hit from nowhere, hurricane force winds. Why did the Lord allow this? Why did he tell me to get into the boat knowing this was coming? Why would he allow his disciples to be shaken and rattled by this hurricane? Why has he allowed you and me to be shaken and rattled by this COVID-19 storm, hurricane, this unsettling experience? And some of you are wondering, why did God allow that person to walk out on me? Why did God allow me to 
to take that course of action that proved so catastrophic? Why didn't the Lord protect me from this or from that? Why? Where was the Lord? Where was the Lord when he could have stopped this or or shield me from that, or blocked my path here, or open another door there. Why, why did the Lord allow this storm into my life? I believe here's the reason. He did not, st- now, now, now again, let me, let me say that, could Jesus have not? said, guys, we need to get to the other side, but let's wait because there's a storm coming and I'm going to let it pass through before we get into the boat, right? He could have. And I've often thought, you know, Lord, if I could have just waited a little bit longer, I could have avoided that storm. Why didn't you help me to wait? Why didn't you cause me to wait? You know, why this seemingly bad timing? Well, He wanted me to learn some things, and here's the deal. I believe he wanted the disciples to learn something about him that they would not have learned in any other way. So here's what I believe he wanted them to learn. Are you ready? He wanted them to learn that Jesus was God. They knew him as healer. They knew him as a wonder-working miracle worker. They, They knew him as the one who could teach like nobody else. But there was an aspect of Jesus they did not fully grasp until they got into that storm. And when they got into that storm, they saw something they never saw before, learned something they never learned before, and they got hold of something they never lost once they got it. As the storm reached its height and it looked in the natural like they were going under and they were going to drown and perish, the disciples looked at Jesus who, of all things, was asleep in the helm of the boat. And it seemed like Jesus was totally oblivious to what they were experiencing. So they cried out, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care, Lord? Lord, this storm's about to kill us. Don't you care? Don't you see it? Aren't you aware of it? Why are you not doing something about the storm in our life? Why aren't you stepping up? You know, I remember once many years ago, I went through a storm of my own. I've been in a lot of storms, but this one, I graduated from college and I had obeyed the Lord to go to college and get my bachelor's degree. And, and, um, it was, it was not easy for me because I really wanted to preach and I wanted to be full-time in ministry. And I felt like college was, was kind of an interruption. So I had to obey the Lord to go and finish my bachelor's degree. And, um, So I fully expected that having obeyed the Lord, once I graduated, I mean that the world was going to open up to me and I was going to have all kinds of ministry and and that all kinds of doors were going to open for me to go through and minister Jesus and preach and teach like I so longed to do. And yet, when I graduated and walked across that stage, absolutely the opposite happened. Not one solitary, itsy-bitsy door opened at all, nothing at all. As a matter of fact, me and my little family suddenly began to experience a real financial storm because this was in the 80s, during the 80s recession, and I couldn't find anything to earn a living. And here I was, college graduate, thought I was about to go out and take the world by storm, and suddenly 
I'm struggling just to put food on the table. There's no ministry at all. I could not understand it. I did not know where God was. I really struggled with it. And I, and I just, I, I really, I was asking the Lord, you know, where are you in my storm? And day after day, the contrary winds blew stronger and the rain of disappointment fell and the waves of desperation just began to fill my boat. And I wonder, do you see me down here, Lord? Here I am. I'm ready to preach. Lead me. And there was absolutely nothing. And so I had to wait on God. And I had to trust God in a level that I never had before. Because it didn't look like he was in charge. It didn't look like he was in control. It did not look like it. Now, he was, but it didn't look like it. Just like it didn't look to the disciples like Jesus was in charge. As a matter of fact, he was asleep. And so finally, one day, about two years into this, an incredible door opened because God had had time to deal with me and teach me to trust his sovereignty. And I want many of you, maybe for the first time on a level like this, to trust the sovereignty of God. He's in charge. Sovereignty means God's in charge. He's ultimately in charge of your life even though it doesn't look like it, even though the boat is rocking, even though the waves are beating against the boat of your life, he's still in charge. And his plan finally fell into place and a door opened for me to go to East Texas and start my very first church. And see, I thought I was going to be an evangelist and travel around everywhere and preach the gospel. But God took this time of solitude and this time of trial to teach me his sovereignty and to show me he'd call me to be a pastor, not an evangelist. Now, I evangelize all the time in church, but I'm primarily a pastor. I didn't know that until the storm. And in the storm, God taught me some things I never knew outside of the storm. Now, what did the disciples learn in Jesus' classroom out there in the sea as this vicious storm struck them? The Bible says, after they had cried out to him, don't you care that we're drowning? Don't you care that we perish? The Bible says in Mark 4, verse 39, he, Jesus, got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now we have two major evidences that Jesus was God. He was able to tell the future before it ever happened. And nature obeyed his voice. I don't know about you. I've tried telling a storm to stop and it totally ignored me. But Jesus, Jesus spoke to the nature he had created. And nature knew the voice of its creator. And the wind died And can you imagine, can you imagine a hurricane and suddenly it all stops like that. And there was a placid calm and the seagulls appeared again and the blue skies appeared again and the disciples are saucer eyed. They're looking at Jesus and they are stunned. And they asked the million dollar question that I believe he was after the whole time. This was the reason for the storm at sea. They said, who is this man? They looked at each other and said, who is this man? 
because even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man we're following? Healing, that's one thing. Casting out devils, that's another thing. Teaching like nobody ever taught, that's something else. But when you talk to the wind and it stops, and the waves and they cease, they're rolling. And suddenly where there was a vicious hurricane, now it's placid, peaceful, perfect, peace and calm. The only answer to the question was he is God. He's God. Hey guys, we're following God. He's God wrapped in flesh. He's God incarnate. He's God come to the earth in the form of his only begotten son. He's God. Now, I want to submit to you that they needed to know that because just about an hour further across the sea, they would land on the shore of Gadara and a man so horribly demon-possessed that the entire town he lived near was terrified of him. He had snapped chains like they were butter. He lived naked and tormented in the graveyard. He was probably the worst demon-possessed case in the history of the world. And they were about to land and meet this man and the demons in him, the legion, face to face. So what did Jesus do? He showed them something about himself they would need to know before their next level. And I want to suggest to you today that Jesus is always the teacher. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the storms of life, listen, there's a message in the storm. I'm going to say that again. There's a message in your storm. For me, this COVID storm has taught me once again to sit back, relax, and wait on God and trust his sovereignty. To trust that he's got everything in his hands. To trust that he's working everything out for my good. And to just relax and not be uptight about tomorrow. But to trust that he's the mighty sovereign God. Now that's one of the lessons being reburned into me. And, and you might be learning something totally different. He's an amazing provider. He gives me peace in the middle of the storm. He's, he hasn't left me nor forsaken me. His, maybe his word is opened up to you in a way that it never has before. But I'll guarantee you, God is in charge of this storm. God is, God is walking on top of this storm. He is, he is in control of this storm. And there's a message in the storm for you and for me. If you're his child, he's teaching if you're listening. So I want to encourage you. Just like the disciples learned something major significant about Jesus in this storm at sea that prepared them for the, their next step, Jesus is teaching you. He's teaching me. He's teaching us. And he's in charge of the storm. And just like they got through to the other side and reached their destination fully intact, we're going to reach our destination fully intact. God having taken care of us. It's like David. And I close with this. David learned, God is with me in the valley. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, here's what I've learned, says David. I will not be afraid, even though it's a valley of the shadow of death. Even though death is near, I will not be afraid. Why? Because I've learned you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. You're preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is not the end of the book of my life. This is a chapter in the middle of the book. And God is writing the rest of the book. So I encourage you. And I'm encouraging me. I'm talking to me as well as you. Let's listen for the Lord's teaching. Let's be open to his instruction. And let him carry us through this storm having taught us some crucial things we're going to need for the next exciting level in our life with him. Amen? So let's bow in prayer and let me pray with you. Father, I thank you right now that you're Lord of the storm. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us. I thank you, Lord, that you are in charge and that you're teaching us. And I pray for the the church body that you will teach us, that you will minister to us, that, Lord, we will emerge from this storm having learned some things about you that will be pivotal and crucial to our next level. Lord, I pray the teaching of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the Word of God would rest upon every church member, every body under turning points, watch and care. And many who are watching that are not even a part of this church, I pray teach us all And thank you, Lord, that you're going to work this for our good as you have promised. And thank you, Lord, for this powerful lesson out of this story and the disciples and the storm at sea and Jesus, what he did. We thank you, Lord, that has comforted us. And I want to pray for anybody who might not even know Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to look up and to pray and to trust you. Now listen carefully, maybe you're watching and you don't know Jesus. You're in this storm all alone and you haven't known his peace. You haven't known his care. And you you, you sense, you're wondering already. You know, I know some things about Christianity, but I'm not sure I'm really saved. When your head hits the pillow at night and you're alone with your thoughts, sometimes you have wondered, do I know him really? Am I a real Christian? Have I been born again? I want to give you the chance to do that right now, wherever you are. doesn't matter. See, there's no time or space with God. Let me tell you how close God is. He's as close as the next prayer we're going to pray. He's as close to you as a prayer. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now, and he wants to come into your life. Will you trust Jesus? Are you willing to trust Jesus right now to come into your heart? You can do it, and I'm inviting you to trust him. Trust him with your life. I did, and I've never regretted it. Trust him with your soul. You can do it right now. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm inviting you to come to him. So bow with me and pray this with me right now. Come on, you can do it. Don't worry about anybody else in the room. Just pray right now. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead on my behalf. Jesus, forgive me all my sins. I repent of my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen carefully. If you pray that with me in just a moment, 
Uh, Pastor Brendan is going to appear on the screen and tell you exactly what you need to do uh, to follow up on this decision because I rejoice with you. If you pray that prayer, you just pray the most important prayer of your whole life. And I rejoice with you. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. And folks, don't forget Wednesday night, we're going to be uh, in Hebrews 12, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses and, and uh, learning some incredible things about our walk with God, even about how God disciplines us out of his love. And so I encourage you to tune in Wednesday night. Thousands of people have been watching the streaming video uh, broadcasts, webcasts, and it's been really encouraging to see the numbers. And I invite you to stay with us. We love you. We're praying for you. We miss you terribly. And until next time, I pray God's grace and peace be yours. Amen.